All right, so we're back in Hebrews. And as we've been talking about Hebrews, our minds reach time, but it's all about who? Jesus, thank you. Okay, Hebrews is all about Jesus, and we've been talking about this salvation that we have through Jesus, that it begins by faith in Him, it continues by faith in Jesus, and one day we will finish by faith in Jesus. And the focus of Hebrews has been much on this continuing, this process of our salvation. And the question we asked ourselves last week was as we continue drawing near to God, as we continue in this process, do we have a biblically informed, Jesus-dependent, faith-centered perspective? Is that our perspective as we draw near to God? And the author of Hebrews in chapter 10 begins to give us reminders, gospel reminders about this perspective and gave us these gospel encouragement about this perspective that the author desires for us to have, that is encouraging us to have. The gospel reminders were since we have access to God. Remember this. Be reminded of this. We have access to God. We have this new and living way open for us. We have access to God because of Jesus Christ. Remember that. And since we have a representative before God, remember that we have this great high priest who is Jesus Christ. So since those things, remember those things, we have access and we have this great high priest. And so remembering those things, we're encouraged. We're encouraged to draw near. And drawing near, we talked about being a lifelong relational process. Remember? Where it's not just knowing about Jesus, knowing about God, but actually knowing Him, walking with Him, experiencing life with Jesus, where my story comes up under and is a part of His story, right? He's invited us into His story, and now our story is a part of Him. And that's a lifelong relational process. And the other encouragement as we continue in that lifelong process is to hold unswervingly to Jesus. Right? That we, we don't let go of Jesus. Right? We don't reach out for other things because I'm holding on to Jesus and we're attached to Him. Remember we talked about Caleb holding on to his mom or dad. He will not let go. I'm going to hold on to them. That's the way that we hold on to Jesus as we walk through this process. And so that's the reminder, and that's the encouragement. But there are also gospel instructions. More practical. Okay, We have this reminder, we've been encouraged. Now, what does it actually look like as we walk through this process together? We need some how-tos, because we don't know how to do that. And I asked last week, are we prepared to hear these instructions? 
Are we prepared now to hear these instructions? Not instructions to me, not instructions to you, but instructions to us. Right? That this entire passage is in the first person plural. It's to us. It's not to me. It's not about myself. It's not about how I'm going to do it. It's how we're going to do that. What are the instructions to us? And that's something we need to be aware of. It's something we need to acknowledge. That that is the reality of our perspectives is that we tend to think about me, myself, and I. And we read this book about me, myself, and I when primarily it's written to us. We're unconsciously individualistic. The Bible is written to God's people. Not God's person. It's written to the nation of Israel. It's written to the church in Ephesus. It's written to the church in Corinth. It's written to the church in Asia Minor, etc., etc., etc. There are very few parts of this that are written to an individual. It's written to us. But we read and we study and we teach and we apply the scriptures focusing instead on me. Focusing instead on the individual, not on us. Not a community perspective. But I would say the scriptures demand that we would receive it together. That we would respond together. I'm like, why is that? Why is it that we're in this place where we hear God's word and we think about me, myself, and I? Maybe at some point we get to thinking about us, but primarily I'm going to think about me. And I don't think we realize it, but we are in many ways held captive we're enslaved by this perspective this lens of our culture of the American culture if you look back throughout history throughout western thought all the way back to Greece to the present time everything is focused on the individual the individual is the priority the individual is most important the individual is who we think about and the individual is who responds we believe that we think that we act according to that I want to share a quote it's from a, a scholar named Sung Chan Ra it's on the screen he's a scholar we need to digest what he's saying consider what he's saying he doesn't say it in the simplest of terms but he says the cultural captivity right that we're enslaved by our culture but this captivity of the church has meant that the church is more likely to reflect the individualism of Western philosophy than the value of community found in Scripture. 
turismo de la filosofía occidental que es el valor de la comunidad que se encuentra en las escrituras. Do we reflect what's written here? Or do we reflect more the individualistic thinking of our culture? What does the church reflect? What do we reflect? Going on, he says, the individualistic philosophy that has shaped Western society and consequently shaped the, sh the church, the American church, reduces Christian faith to a personal, private, and individual faith. Because of this, because of this influence of our culture, much that we're not even aware of, that's told us to focus on, take care of, think about the individual, it's about you, maybe it's about you and your family, but that's all you can take care of, that's all you can think about, that's what's focused, that's what's primary, and because we've heard that and think that and believe that all of our lives, if you've been in the United States, or as you come to the United States, that's what you've heard. The American dream is for you. Okay, it's not for us. And we've taken that and we've applied it to God's Word. And we've applied it to our salvation. As we've read about this salvation, this is our salvation that God has given to us. And yet we've made faith private, personal, and just about me and my relationship with Jesus and the prayer that I prayed to Jesus and I'm over here isolated with Jesus. We don't even realize that when we receive this salvation then we step into the church. Remember I was outside? I was enslaved? Jesus freed me and brought me into His what? His family. Now I'm with you. We're together. If you have been saved, then you are in His family, and now you're together with the church. Okay? There's no getting around that. If you're saved, now it's us. You got saved, and now it's we. It's no longer about you. It's about us. We're His children. We're His family. He's bringing us to glory. He's bringing us to the right hand of the majesty on high. And that's what this book speaks of, and yet we still make it about me, me, me. I'm going to glory. I'm going to glory. Instead of about, oh, oh, the church is with me. I'm part of a family, and, and, and we've been saved, and now we're going to go to glory. We've got to acknowledge that. And I'm not saying that you as an individual don't have a relationship with Christ. That's a part of it. But we have divorced the church. We've divorced our family. Right? It's just about me. It's about both. And in this, the majority is about us. We need to repent. 
We need to beg and cry out to God to give us understanding. That we could take off this American culture, that we could take off what the world has told us, and we would actually believe what God has told us, because that's faith. I believe the Word of God, and I respond accordingly, regardless of what culture is telling me, regardless of how I feel, because God has said it, I believe it, that's what I'm going to think, and that's what I'm going to do. So if you don't want to believe what God has said, and if you don't want to do what God has told us, then remain by yourself, remain in isolation, remain with your own salvation to you, yourself, and God. And don't be a part of this community, this family, the church. I don't want to do that. I want to submit to God's word. He is my king. This is what he's told me. This is what we're going to do. And so as we read Hebrews, it becomes very clear that this incredible access that we have to the presence of God is accessed together through community the community of the church. I want to say that again. As I read Hebrews 10, as I look back at this entire book, this incredible access that we have to the presence of God is primarily accessed through the community of the church. Okay, remember, and I need you to see this again. Naomi, came with me. Arthur, come with me. We're going to glory. Come with me. We're going to glory. Travis, get up. We're going to glory. Rebecca, you did it again. Come on, let's go. We're going to glory. We're going to glory. We're going to glory. Lupe, you all sat in the same seats because you want to go to glory, okay? Now look, how in the world are we going to get up there to glory? All of us together. With your American mind and your American perspective, individualistic, how in the world are we going to do this all together? All together now. We don't even like to be together like this. Right, Rebecca? <laughs> no, right? This is uncomfortable, but this is the reality if you're part of God's family. And so here we go together. And it's not just us, it's all y'all. So we need instructions. I don't know how to do this. I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. I have no idea how to do this. My culture has told me, take care of you, Brit. Take care of your family, Brit. So how do we do this together? That's what we want to look at today. Thank you guys again. You guys will change seats next week. But I think that's important to see that again. Right? That's what this is saying. We're continuing together. Jesus is bringing us to glory. And we're supposed to somehow get there together. I much prefer... Alright, this is church. I have to tell the truth. I would much prefer to go by myself. You guys are a mess. <laughs> you guys like cramp my style. And then we're multi-ethnic, multi-class, multilingual. Like, oh, can't we just all be the same at least? If we're going to go together, let's all be the same as we go together. 
I experienced that this morning. I'm, I'm ready to go. My wife is interpreting. Everybody's running around my apartment. I need to go. I, I need to go. I need to be on time. Like we're supposed to start at 10.30 even though we don't start till 10.40. But I need to be there because I, that's just part of me and my wife. She's getting ready. My kids are getting ready. And he just like, when we got in the car, because I might have demonstrated my frustration waiting. I think in the past, you've just decided to go by yourself. And then we'll catch up with you. It'll be easier for all of us. But I'm studying this. I'm like, I'm going to take off and leave them? Or am I willing to adjust as I come with them even to this building? Right? I would prefer to get up on my own, fix my breakfast, go spend my time finishing, preparing, getting ready, iron my shirt, make my way to church to be here with y'all so that I'm in control and I'm taking care of me. It drove me nuts this morning trying to be with even my immediate family. And then I think about walking with y'all, it's going to be even worse. If you know how to do this, you don't need to be here. But if you know how to do this, we need your help. We need the Holy Spirit's help to understand this and apply this and walk in this. That we would admit we're clueless. That we would actually be quick to listen. And we'd be slow to speak as we consider what God is telling us in His Word. Amen. Amen. So these are the Gospel instructions from His Word as we continue together through our great salvation. Verse 24 and 25 of Hebrews 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So I want us to see first that these instructions, that they're a shared responsibility. And then we're actually going to look at what we're responsible for. Okay? First, that it's a shared responsibility. And then we're going to look at these two things that we're responsible for, how we should study each other, 
and how we relate to each other. Okay. As we're in the process, we all share this responsibility. What's the responsibility? We're going to look at that, how we study each other, and how we engage with each other in this process. So first, shared responsibility. Look back at the passage. Us, we, one another, one another. Together. Is there any distinction of an individual there? This is written to the church. This is written to the family. All members are included. I don't see any exclusion of anyone in the church. Anybody see an exclusion? And then it comes to this word, one another. Which is actually just one word in the original language, but we don't have a good way to explain it in English. But it's this idea of me with you and you with me. We're both responsible for each other. Mutually. There's no breakdown of you do this, you do that, and you do this. There's no division of what we're supposed to do. We all share this responsibility to each other and with each other. This is not to the pastor. This is not to the elders. This is not to leaders in the church. This is for everyone in the church. That's who these instructions are to, and we all share this responsibility. Raise your hand if you're responsible. Are you responsible for this? I'm not, I'm not going on until we all raise our hands. Everybody, everybody. Are you responsible for this? Are you included in this? It's God's word to us, the church, those who have come into his family. We're all responsible. You're included. This is to you. So what I want, you guys are... Resistive. Some might say cabeza dura. Hard hit. I want you to get up out of your seat, but wait, before, wait till I'm done. Okay. Let me give all the instructions and then you do what I tell you to. I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to walk up. Yes, you're going to do it, Tim. I want you to walk up. We'll, we'll enforce church discipline right here, okay? Walk up to at least three other individuals. And I want you to look at them. I want you to engage with them. And I want you to say to them, I have responsibility for you. And then I want you to say, and you have responsibility for me. Okay? Everybody says that to someone else at least three times and you can't stay in your seat. Get up, move around, 
Say that to at least three other people. Look them in the eyes. Engage with them and say, I'm responsible for you and you're responsible for me. Okay, go. At least three people. <laughs> It's very interesting to watch y'all do that. I won't mention any names. But some folks just bam, 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 bam. To all, some of you guys went above and beyond, more than three people. Some people, they hurry up, they said it to three people and they sat back down. And I'm pretty sure there are some who actually didn't say it to three people and just sort of slid back into their seat. Maybe, maybe it won't be noticed. The point is, how did that feel? That is so counter-cultural what we just did and what we just said to each other. How did it feel to say, I'm responsible for you? And how did it feel to hear someone say, and I'm responsible for you? How did it feel? Who's in touch with their feelings and wants to share? I heard that. <laughs> Chloe? Uh, yeah, no, no. I mean, like, I, I, I love it. I love the community. I, mean, I, I was one of those people that was bam, 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 but I, did, I think I did more than three. Anybody else? Different response? Grace? Well, I was tempted to go to Yo the you know, Tim, I'm hesitant to call on you, but go ahead. <laughs> it feels like after gym class you have to take a shower So I, I'm just gonna go with that. That you said that. Like, do you guys remember back in, I think it was Hebrews 2, when he talked about all of us being there and we're going to be there together and we're going to be completely vulnerable, completely naked? Right? I mean, that's how that feels to us. Like, I'm letting down my guard and, and I'm having to engage with you in a way that I don't really feel comfortable. And I'm becoming very vulnerable. It's not comfortable. But that's a picture of interdependence. Interdependence together 
independiente, juntos. Not independence alone. No ser independiente solo. But realize. Pero darnos cuenta. We're not trusting each other. Que no estamos confiando en el otro. Our primary trust is not in each other. It's in Jesus Christ. Look back at verse 23. The reason that we can do this, the reason that we can make ourselves vulnerable with each other and enter into these relationships that feel uncomfortable to us is not because of who I am and who you are, what we've done. It's because of Jesus. Remember back to last last time, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We hold on to and hope in Jesus. My hope is not ultimately in you. My hope is in Jesus. And the reason that I can engage with you, knowing at times it's going to be uncomfortable, it's going to hurt, is because I'm not dependent on you. I'm dependent on Jesus. But if I'm dependent on Jesus, then we can be interdependent with one another. Does that make sense? If you're not dependent on Jesus, there's no way that you'll walk with your brothers and sisters interdependently. They're going to let you down. They're going to not be faithful. But He is faithful. He who promised is faithful. That's where our trust is. That's where our hope is. And so we can engage in this process together. And you may feel that it's unrealistic. It's unreasonable, even a, a room this size, a group this size. How are we supposed to walk together, connected together through this process? Do we have the faith to believe God's Word? Regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you think, that this is what God tells us. And we should be about it. That we would accept that we are responsible for one another. So that's our shared responsibility. That's the reality of our situation. But practically, if we're responsible for each other, then what do we do with each other as we're in this process? Together. Verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us consider. Let us stop and think and contemplate and focus on each other. That we would watch each other. 
seek to understand each other. The word here, like, you get this picture of like, I'm, I'm, I'm studying for a test, I'm trying, I'm taking notes, right? I noted this about you, Arthur, and I'm, and I'm taking notes in my mind. Okay, I'm understanding Arthur better. I, I'm watching Maria, okay, I can understand Maria better. I'm watching Lupe, and I, okay, these are notes I'm taking about who Lupe is and, and how Lupe responds. I want to understand you. I want to study you. That we would care enough right to take the focus off of me and actually focus on each other so that we could consider each other where, where are they at what's going on in their lives where have they been what is God doing and speaking and sharing to them how can I be a part of that that we would study each other a practical example if you've been around Bonnie Brown she knows the specifics of how you like your coffee your tea your dessert your food she pays attention and then when she serves you when she gives things to you it's according to how she knows you she has paid attention she's taken notice of the details and then she loves you accordingly I'm amazed by that she knows what I want before I ask and it's everyone that we sit down at a table with she knows what they want she pays attention she studies I did that with my wife before she was my wife right I wanted to impress her I was going to learn everything about her wherever she was I was watching okay I was taking notes because I wanted to speak her love language right I, what I, wanted, I wanted to be effective in what I said and did so I had to pay attention. And I should still do that just as much now as her husband for 18 years as I did when I had known her for 18 days. But do you guys get the picture? So now I want you to think about the people that just a few minutes ago you walked up to and you said, I'm responsible for you and you're responsible for me. Now I want you to think about have you studied that person? Do you know details about them? Details about their lives? Details about who they are? Have you made with those individuals time and the effort to quit thinking about yourself and think about them. Or were you just reminded of their presence because you saw them here this morning? We're responsible to study each other, to consider each other. And we do that not just for general knowledge about each other but we learn specifically about each other 
so that we can plan specifically. As the passage says, how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. I am studying you. I want to know details about you. I am learning about you. Because I am responsible to spur you on towards love and good deeds. And if I don't know you, I'm not going to be able to speak to you in a way that will spur you on. I need to understand who you are. I need to have taken notes. And this word, spurring, it literally means to irritate each other. Right? I'm supposed to study you so I can irritate you. Now my son does this well at home with his sisters. But that's not exactly what this means. <laughs> this word irritating, it's that we would sharply confront, that we would disagree. And you're like, well, that makes sense to me. That sounds like family, right? We're going to irritate each other and sharply disagree with each other and confront each other. Like now we're going to be family. And I know your buttons and I know how to push those buttons. Okay, that's not the point. It's not done flippantly. It's not done in anger. It's not that we were walking by and that, that Nate bumped into me and I'm like, hey, I'm going to spur you now. Maybe Nate bumped into me three, four times and I think about it and I study like, what's wrong with Nate? I need to share with her, hey, Nate, you keep bumping into me and, and I'd like to encourage you, right, and, and, and share this truth with you in a way that she can receive. It's, it's saying these things to Nate that, that are not for my benefit, but for her benefit. This morning I tried to wear a green piece of Play-Doh in my notes. And I tried to walk by many of you to see if anybody would say something. Ashley won the grand prize. She's like, Britt, there's something on your nose. <laughs> something blue. And then Lucas said, Theo, what's in your nose? <laughs> that was for my benefit. That they would share that with me. And our issues, primarily the ones that we can't see, that we're blind to, we need our family to spur us on about those things. I need you to share those things because you've been studying me and watching me and you can share those things into my life that, that I can't see. And would you be in a place where you're actually watching and studying and seeing that and you're doing that not because this is going to make me feel better, not because they've really made me mad or they frustrate me or they, oh, they're bothering me, but I love them. I want what's best for them and this is for their good. And so I'm willing to confront, I'm willing to share this hard truth. They are more important than our relationship. I care more about them than them being okay with me. That's spurring on. 
Es not reactive. It's from study. It's thought through. No es And so, are you willing to open yourself up in that way? That others would spur you. Are you willing to spur others? This is what we're responsible for doing that we would get involved in each other's life, that we would be intimate with each other in a way that we could speak these truths to each other. It's usually very difficult to share. It's usually not comfortable to share. Because you're not telling someone, you're not sharing with them what they want to hear, you're telling them what they need to hear. Because you care about them, because you love them, I'm going to tell this to you. We've been walking around the park last night, we were coming back in for dinner. Lucas says to Melanie, Lucas, Let's have a great dinner, no vegetables. A really yummy dinner with no vegetables. Melanie says, I love you. And because I love you, we're going to have vegetables. It wasn't what Lucas wanted. It wasn't what he desired. But does anyone disagree that it's what Lucas needs? And she was willing to tell him what he needs. Because she knows him as good as anyone else. And so she would speak those things to him. But we've been wrongly taught, wrongly influenced, more by our culture than God's word. No, 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 no. My salvation is private. My walk with Jesus, that's about me. That's my business. I am an individual. That's personal. My life, my decision, my business. You worry about your life, I'll worry about mine. Don't you dare speak into my life and what you see. And if you say that to me, I'm going to be angry and frustrated. I can't believe you would say that to me. This is my life. Who are you to speak into my life? I am the captain of my ship. That's what the culture tells us. It's private. Well, don't, don't get involved in that. Don't get involved in their lives. That might offend them. You might be offended. I mean, that might be hard for the relationship. I'm not going to say those things. Just let God take care of them. Even though God has brought us into this family and said, through this process, I want you to study each other and spur one another. So when you choose not to engage with each other, we choose not to do this appropriately and biblically and thoughtfully, we are being disobedient. And we don't have faith. God said it. We don't believe it. And we're not going to do it. We're faithless. To walk with each other as he's instructed us to. 
We have to be willing to do this. And I want you to understand the progression. Hopefully there's a graph. It starts with this confidence and this hope in Jesus. Because I have this confidence and this hope in Jesus, then I can enter into relationship with you and I'm studying you and I'm spurring you because I'm depending on Him, right? I'm not depending on your response. My identity is in Him. It's not in what you think about me. And so I'm going to share with you in love and I'm going to spur you on. And as we spur one another on, then it results in love and good works. Okay? It doesn't say, I have confidence and hope in Jesus, so I move to love and good works. It says we have confidence and hope in Jesus, so we share life with one another, spurring one another on, studying one another, and that leads to good works. It's a process. That's the process that God has established. Those are His instructions. But we prefer to skip. Step number two. I don't know how you're going to move to loving good works if it's not as we continue together through this process. This is what's described. We need each other. So that's the first responsibility. One more to go. The responsibility to relate with one another. Verse 25. Not giving up, meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. As we have been brought in to this family, we're relating with one another. We're to not give up, not stop meeting together. And let me be very, very specific. Meeting together is not going to church on Sunday morning. It's not the American Evangelical Sunday morning where we gather in the same room. We all look in one direction and sing songs and we all look in one direction and listen to a sermon. And then we all go our separate ways. That is not the meeting together that's being communicated here. I promise it's not what the author of Hebrews had in mind. But he is instructing us to continue to be intentional and prioritize coming together with each other, opening our lives to each other, praying together, eating together, suffering together, studying together, serving together, living together. The word here, this meeting, is not just a collection of people. It's 
a congregation. Pero es una It's where these people would come together and share life for a purpose. Por un, con un Let me show you briefly. Les this meeting, this connecting, este, este punta, este conecta, is that we would all be connected with each other. Okay? This connecting is not a pyramid where from one person then we connect out. It's this web of relationships and connections with Jesus Christ at the center. We are connected to Him and we are connected with each other. We're dependent on Him and we're interconnected, interdependent with each other. And that we would meet in this way, sharing our lives together. It's not... Okay? Does that make sense? Because I, I've, I was probably introduced this, and no one told me this, but this is how I saw church. This, this pyramid structure, this hierarchy structure, where these relationships and this, this even this spurring would go on down through someone or some group at the top. This is what it looks like. Okay? Interconnected. We're not a bag of rocks put in a sack. We are living stones connected to one another. We have life in Jesus Christ and our life is connected to one another and He is bringing us together for a purpose to build us up into the spiritual house. The spiritual family is the word. Living stones, not rocks in a sack. Okay? We are connected and dependent with each other. And that's what it looks like to meet together. So are we intentionally doing that? Are we doing that in our household communities? Are we doing that in sibling groups? Are we connected? Are we remaining connected to each other? Or do we just gather at the same place at the same time? So I can check it off. And so I can feel less guilty through my week. Because you could come to every meeting, every opportunity, every scheduled event and never connect. You can meet and meet and meet and meet and never connect and be a congregation. We have to have a deep connection. And that's not natural. I've heard multiple times, but, but I just want all of my relationships to be, be organic, that they would just occur naturally at times in different people in different places, and there's nothing natural about this 
kind of congregation, sharing and being vulnerable with each other, studying each other, spurring one another. What's natural is our flesh. And that we would want to be caring for me. That I would put myself first, not you first. That's what my flesh tells me to do. That's what's natural to me. Is to avoid you and to take care of me and my life. My flesh desires independence. God's telling us to be interdependent. We have to prioritize to choose to meet together in this way. To connect our lives, to share our lives, and to fight our flesh, and to fight our culture, and say, no, I believe not what I feel, but I believe God's Word. I believe not what the culture tells me, but I believe God's Word. And so I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to fight and be intentional and be thoughtful about connecting in this way and meeting in this way, sharing life with my family. And as we meet, we encourage one another. It's the same word as back in Hebrews 3. A big word, deep meaning. It means to come alongside someone side by side and call out or yell to them. Not from me to Nacho, but I'm going to come up alongside Nacho and I'm going to be involved in his life and I'm going to be right here with Nacho and I've been studying Nacho and I'm close with Nacho and I'm going to encourage Nacho. Nacho! Nacho! I love you! Jesus loves you! You need to... Okay, Nacho, I recognize this. You've got to stop this. You've got to start doing this. Nacho! Nacho, are you listening? Okay. Right? This is what encouraging looks like. It's not standing from afar. And saying, hey, you might want to think about this problem or issue in your life. It's actually being shoulder to shoulder, involved with them, and speaking those words. And encouraging is multifaceted. It has all these different meanings. It can be correcting. It can be comforting. It can be just presence with someone. I'm here with you. It's multifaceted. But then we would speak what needs to be spoken in a loving way according to God's word. Do you have others in your life that are doing that right now? 
tienen ustedes otros que están haciendo eso en, su, en sus vidas ahorita? It's part of the instruction. Es parte de la instrucción. It's part of our shared responsibility. Es parte de la responsabilidad que that tenemos. There should be others in my life that are walking with me shoulder to shoulder that are encouraging me and speaking into my life. And that I am walking with them shoulder to shoulder encouraging them and speaking into their lives. Okay? It's mutual. It's not one way. It's not one direction. It's together. Us. We share that responsibility. To do that with each other. And this is a common, consistent practice. This is not a unique, one-time, special event. Woo! 2017 is almost over, but I just encouraged someone last week. Okay, I'm done with that for the year. That's not what this is saying. It's that we're walking side by side. You're going to see things in their life and they're going to see things in your life because you're studying each other and you're spurring one another and you would encourage each other. It would be regular. It would be consistent. It wouldn't be such a, oh, I can't believe that they shared those words or spoke that into my life. It would be normal for us. But our preference is to be individualistic. But that's the very purpose of us meeting together. To study each other, to spur each other, to encourage each other through this process as Jesus brings us home, as he brings us to the right hand of God the Father. We're in this together. And I promise you that if you haven't already questioned me, if you haven't already dismissed what I'm trying to say, as you try to do this and you get in the middle of this and you get burned by being in relationships with others and you get offended and hurt, you're going to be like, forget that. Forget what he said. For no, 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 no. I'm going back to me, back to my, back to myself. I'll take care of me. This is about me and God. I'm not going to trust him and actually engage with others and walk with others through this salvation. Okay? If you don't already think that theoretically by what I'm saying, you're going to think that practically as you try this. But the scripture is clear. Some are even in the habit of giving up. They neglect this instruction. They will not share their lives together. They refuse to spur and encourage one another. Look at how it ends. All the more as you see the day approaching. As you continue in this process, you need this more. All the more. We need to hear this reminders, hear this encouragement. We need to respond to this instruction with each other all the more as we see the day coming. That's that final day. That's the day of judgment. That's going in the presence of God. All the more as we approach God together, we need this. We cannot neglect this. We cannot turn away from this. It's critical for us to continue in this process of salvation.
Let me finish how I began. Our incredible access to the presence of God is primarily accessed in and through the community, the family of the church. We're going together. We're going to be there together. So let's continue together. Entonces vamos a seguir juntos.